It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Steve. And we are, for the first time in what, a couple of, a year and a half? A year and a half. We are in the eastern wing of the studio. Now, this is the wing, if you've listened to our Thanksgiving party, our Christmas party, this is where we had the big parties. Uh, we don't have a studio audience today, but um, now that everything's open back up, I think we're going to spruce the wing up and uh, and start having big parties again. Is that piano new? Yeah, how about that? Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, the piano is new. And... Um, this is a nice place. Yeah, it's, it, this is our. This is our. This is where you hear most of our episodes when you go back. Um, we came on the east side of the building, and um, here we are, ready to do it. So, what do you got for today? Well, Steve, you know, as you know, um, I like to do five k reviews. That's where I go out and complete a five k and listen to new podcasts. And when I say new podcasts, they're new for me. Yeah. All right. So, so I have a couple to tell you about. The first one is called Lyrics for Lunch. Lyrics for Lunch. So what is Lyrics for Lunch about? It's over on Anchor, Anchor FM, Lyrics for Lunch. It's a new podcast serving up the snackable meaning meanings behind your favorite songs. So what they do is they um, give you the lyrics to some very popular songs and they go in deep and find out what they're really about. One of the best episodes is they do an episode on Respect by Aretha Franklin. And it's really good. It's really good. It's really in-depth. They really do a lot of research on it. And um, they tell you a lot of things that you didn't even know about. Um, that could be them right there. That's it. All right. So uh, let me read my Pod Chaser review for you. This show is a must for music lovers. A must. Host Lindsay and Aviv break down lyric, lyrics of iconic songs while injecting an infectious chemistry that makes you wish each episode went on for hours. The deep research and obvious passion for music makes the show informative, entertaining, and subscription worthy. I actually learned a few things about some songs that will make me listen to them in a different way now. Does anybody hope our episodes go on for hours no no nobody <laughs> does this is a great great show it's called lyrics for lunch and you can find it wherever you podcast but it's really good it's really where especially if you're a music lover you can scroll through and find out something that uh, pertains to your taste and check them out they really do a good job are they in the city of cincinnati no i think they are in i can't remember i threw a curve to you didn't i yeah, that's okay. Nobody's here but us. <laughs> Speaking of being in the city of Cincinnati, the next one I'm going to tell you about. Now, he's not Cincinnati. Okay. But here's the deal. This podcast is called No Picks After Dark Pod. And Picks is P-I-X. No Picks After Dark. Now, the host of this is a guy by the name of Aaron Dante. Very cool guy. So this is a two-time award-winning podcast, Reader's Choice, in the city of Baltimore. Well, we know it wasn't in Cincinnati because we are the number one right. 
podcast in the city of Cincinnati. Now, Steve, you know, usually I ignore anything that's in Baltimore, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh. Yes. Being a Bengals fan. Right. Absolutely. But I made an exception for host Aaron Dante. Hold on a minute. We did watch The Wire. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I did have to watch yeah, The yeah. Wire. So we did. We made an exception yeah. for Baltimore. And you know there's a lot of exceptions to all of our rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm never going to do this. Well, except if this happens. Yeah. You know. But um, let me read my Podchaser review on No Picks After Dark. Host Aaron Dante has twice won a Best of Baltimore for this podcast. And after listening to a few episodes, I can see why. This interview-based podcast exposes the listener to various aspects of Baltimore in a very entertaining and informative way. Dante doesn't smother his guests and allows them to be the focus of the show while remaining engaged and interested in the topic. Dante's passion for Dante's passion for and knowledge of his city is the star of this highly recommended podcast. So again, it's called No Picks After Dark. What's it about? So he gets different people. One guy he talked to uh, ran a winery in Baltimore. Who knew, right? Uh, I think it was right outside of Baltimore. He ran I don't know. I've been to a game in Baltimore before. I would say there was a winery. <laughs> there was a winery there. And then the other lady, it was a lady and her husband who ran a restaurant, like a Creole-based restaurant. And then he, what he did is he had like a podcast summit with a bunch of guys that do their own podcasts. And the angle on it was, you know, the black males that are in the podcast industry. And it showed how each each group of people had a different podcast, you know, going different themed podcast. So uh, the guy's really good. And and like I said in the review, he doesn't smother them. You know, sometimes you hear these interview podcasts and you don't even know who they're talking to because the interviewer is doing all the talking. But but he doesn't. So. So the two, let's uh, recap real quick. The two that I'm going to recommend for everybody this week is Lyrics for Lunch, which can be found anywhere you podcast, and No Picks After Dark, and Picks is P-I-X. So check those two out, add them to your rotation, subscribe, download, um, do everything, follow these guys on their social media. Two very good podcasts to uh, listen to. I just got an email. Is it from Matthew McConaughey again? No. <laughs> no, speaking of Matthew McConaughey, we got a letter today. Uh-oh. <laughs> On our um, list of 50 greatest movies of all time. Uh-oh. And this comes from Susan B., and I'm not even going to give her email address. She says that she loved our list. Everything went perfect. She agreed with everything but Interstellar. Obviously, we did, too. So she likes Interstellar. She said it should be moved up to number two. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Susan B. anyway, Susan B., I don't know what you're watching. I don't understand your criteria. She did have Shawshank as number one. She had The Godfather as number 23. <laughs> so, usually we don't do this, but for the people who are listening to our podcast, Susan B., at gmail.com. Write her <laughs> and tell her how stupid she is. That was the only letter we received on the whole thing. Well, that's but we re- received about three more, but I threw them away. <laughs> I erased them, I mean. Right. Because, you know, we get mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we still get fan mail. Yeah, fan mail. <laughs> Write us a letter. We'll send you an eight by ten signed. <laughs> right. Oh, real old school, right? But you know what? I did. I did have a store. Oh, I don't know if I can tell this story or not. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the, the Little Johnsons. Have you seen the Little Johnsons? Mm-hmm. It's a variety show on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. One of the. It's one of those reality shows. The whole family are little people. Oh, all okay. seven of them. Okay. They do have one son who is regular size. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the family is little people. And they adopted three little people. Because, you know, nobody okay. adopts little people. Okay. So they, it just goes through their whole life. It's really good because they don't really harp on, they, they just do everything that normal people do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the right word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an episode, one of their sons, who's a little person, met a, a girl who's a little person whose family are adults, mm-hmm. okay? And so they, the families come together every once in a while. So the son and the daughter can, you know, get a little, because she lives out of state. I mm-hmm. guess it's hard to find someone when you're a little person, you know. Sure, sure. Um, so they all got together, and they went on a hike, the families, both families. Well, the mother couldn't go, the regular, the, her mother. Mm-hmm. So it was just the father and the seven little people. Mm-hmm. And so they're walking through the woods on this hike. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of was, <laughs> hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't, the, li- the little people laugh all the time right. about their size. Right. But you could just see it. see it. He's walking in front of the group, and there they are, all seven of them walking right behind so I don't know if we can play that, but we don't mean anything by it. But it's their show. They're little people. Right. They make fun of themselves. Right. They bring this guy. I can't be the only person in the entire that world that. that thought that. But so, of course, I had to play the song. Oh, of course. Uh, heard that song a hundred times. Sure. Having kids and everything. Sure. It's not hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off the work we go. Mm-hmm. It's hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off to home we go. Oh, I thought it was off to work. That's what I thought. All this time. I thought All it was this off, time. I thought That's it was what off I thought. Off it's to off to home we go. Because the very beginning of the song, which we don't know, is like dig, 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 So then it's I'm going home. Yeah, they're going home. That's where they're going. It's not off to work. I always thought it was off to work we go. That's what I thought. But it's off to home we go. They're done when they sing the song of their time. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, there you go. That's your now, history lesson on Disney. So, Steve, when we were walking in, you when we were walking in, you were like, "Oh man, I got this story to tell you." You said, "I got this story to tell you," and you started to tell me when we were doing show prep. But I said, "Ah, oh, wait, wait, tell it." So let's hear this. What is this story? You okay. Tell? So I'm watching the this TV show because you know there's me and you could put a TV show on nowadays. Sell six episodes. In right. It. It's called Extremely Evil. I don't know if you've seen that one. I've not seen it, but I've seen the yeah. promo. So it's uh, the other night they were, they this family 
lady killed her family. Mm-hmm. They put her into a mental institution. They found her. I'm, I'm very summarizing this because mm-hmm. this is not the story. This just brought the story up. So she kills her family, kills three of them. They find her not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. So they put her in the... The insane asylum, I guess. I don't think they call it that anymore. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The mental health building, I guess. Let's be politically correct. Anyway, she's in there for the criminally insane. Mm-hmm. And um, at the very end, they say, you know, 12 years later, she's out walking the streets now. Because right. I guess she's not insane anymore. Right. Okay? <laughs> she got over it. So that brought up a story, and I'll never forget this, that um, – I had a girl in court one time, and we used to mess with the people when they would come in court. It's a game. You play them, they play with you. It's just a game uh, we played. But there was a girl who came into court one day. Let me let me go back. There was people that would come into court, and they would have names tattooed on their arm. Mm-hmm. And it would be their boyfriend or their girlfriend or something like that. Or their neck would be their boyfriend or girlfriend. This girl came in one time, and she was kind of a, she might have been high, so we were messing with her. Right. And she had a name underneath her shirt. And she said, I said to her, I said, oh, is that your boyfriend? She said no, and she lifted up her sleeve. And she said, these are my family members that died. And she had like eight of them on her arm, going up her arm. Wow. So... I don't think I ever told you this story because it only came up because I watched the criminally insane. Right. After the the um, the court, sometimes I would look at what as I was shredding rap sheets. Right, right. I would look at their rap sheets, and I remember mm-hmm. a name because it was an off the wall name. I won't mention it in fear <laughs> because it was an off the wall name. Right. But as I went down her rap sheet, one of her charges was murder on a rap sheet. Hmm. And she did like 15 years, and now she was in court for like a speeding ticket. Right. The names on her arm were the family members that she had killed. That she killed. That she killed, not had died. Damn. She killed them. She killed eight people? And she was out after being criminally insane. That must have been filed away so far in my brain that when I saw that show last (laughs) night, I turned to Lisa, I said, I know exactly about what this is. Damn. I don't think I ever told you that No, story. I, I've never heard she that. She had all these names going up her arm. So those and I are, felt really sorry for her. Sure. Yeah, but no, those were the people she had killed. And Damn. And it must have been a family slaughter. It must have been. And then they put her into the criminally insane, and I guess, well, you got to be insane to kill eight people in your family. <laughs> right. I mean. Should I'm, go without saying. I mean, there are some members that are kind of. Yeah, yeah, It'd be okay to get rid yeah, of them, but not you eight. Might want I can't think of eight people in my family. Maybe one, two at most. <laughs> right. That you don't, you know, you wish they hadn't come around, but not eight. But it was eight people. Eight people. Yeah, she, she had eight people on her arm. Now I gotta look it up. Yeah, I got because you know the story has to be in the paper. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that was a long time ago, right? Oh, twenty. Five years ago. Yeah. No. So the story has 30, to be. In there. 35 years ago. So it has to be in the yeah. paper. So it would be before that. Yeah. So probably 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had done her time. Damn. And she was out at the killing. I can't believe I never told you that story. And you remember her name now. Yeah. So we can look it up. 
Yeah. I remember Damn. her first name. Yeah. I can't remember her last name. Well, I imagine if you put the first name in and say eight, eight family murders. members killed. <laughs> and it can be like 20 people to pick from. I would try to figure it out right here on the air, but I don't know if she's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully she, she's, she's one somewhere, of the, She's somewhere getting Steve tattooed on her arm right now. she's one of the people in the city of Cincinnati that doesn't listen she, uh, to the Chorister she, podcast. She, she's listening, and she's right now, they're putting Steve on her yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's P-H. Yeah. All right, spell it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can tell you this. There is a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but there is a guy that I ran across totally unrelated to anything it was just i was doing a favor for a friend of mine and this guy lived next door and we started talking about the Bengals. this was years ago we started talking about the Bengals and all this the guy would be out front and the guy told me his name and the, the neighbor so my friend when he walked away he said do you know who that is and i said no turns out this dude murdered two people and went to prison and served his entire sentence. I think it was two people. Yeah. Served his entire sentence. Now he was out free. Just out. And he had murdered, I think, two prostitutes. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was two prostitutes. And he was receiving uh, disability checks because he couldn't get a job because, you know, they say, what have you been doing the last 20 years? <laughs> well, I was serving murder double people. murder rap, you know. Yeah. So he couldn't get a job. So he was actually getting like a thousand bucks a month yeah. disability because he had killed. And he was not on parole or anything. He was just out loose. So it was prostitutes because here's because here's what happened. Sorry about that. I had to <laughs> adjust my chair. So here's what happened. My buddy who lived next lived right next door to this dude, he would call me and say, hey, man, this cat is out cruising. He leaves the house at like midnight and comes back like 4 in the morning. So, I mean, and this was in Kentucky, so you know what he was doing. Yeah. So point being, he's like, well, he's – what if he just comes home one night and he's got two, three people bodies in the car? <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah, that's what. And nine one one wasn't what it is now, so it was like, man, you got to. It was just nine one. It was just nine. nine. You just hit nine. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, I was like, dude, you need to get the police department on speed dial because I remember telling him that and just hit the button. I said, you don't, you don't want to uh, be trying to figure out the number because yeah. the guy might come in and kill you. You know, but I don't think anything ever happened. But, yeah, this dude was just out walking around, free as a bird. And this was in 19 – I can tell you exact year it was. It was in 1992, I think. Yeah, this dude was out free as a bird, lived right on the west side of town. I yeah. had a guy in court one time who uh, had tattoos all over his face. Mm-hmm. He was unemployable. He was getting that. He was getting that yeah, thing. He, he couldn't find a job because his face was all tattooed. And he was getting – Money. Yeah, he's getting money. Somebody, Disability check. Somebody ought to make a movie out of that. Oh, speaking of movies. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, that you, was our little stories for today. Well, Steve, you know, I think I told you, I get a lot of emails from people saying, how come you guys don't do Oscar shows when they when they pick the Oscars? 
Now, everybody does Oscar predictions, you know. And I used to watch the Oscars, but now I just find it kind of boring. But especially since they don't, now there's no audience or anything. And you remember the old Oscar shows. They used to go on for like three or four hours. I just watch Fox and CNN. And, and see instead what the, of, instead of the Oscars, yeah, because that's see, all they do now. Yeah, it's give political <laughs> viewpoints. <laughs> right, exactly. They don't, uh, thank you for the award. So. so, but what happened is I got turned off by the Oscars years ago, and I'm going to give you the reasons why right now. All I right. have some of the reasons anyway. Okay, I have the top five Oscar snubs. These are the. Five worst, in my opinion, Oscar snubs in history. So okay. now, let me give you a little. Uh, you gonna give us who the winner was? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me give you a little background on my list. My list does not go back prior to me being able to understand what's going on. So, like for example, two years ago. Yeah. No, <laughs> last week. <laughs> so, like for example. I don't talk about movies that were in the 40s and 50s. Maybe there were some snubs then, but I didn't live through it, you know? So here are my top five Oscar snubs. Number five. Five. And for those of you who remember Steve, 50 lists. We we only do five lists now. That's all we do now, five lists. So top five Oscar snubs. Number five, 1986. Children of a Lesser God. All right, now listen. Now actually, that one. N- well, let me let me okay, just right now. Now this actually would have been the 1987 Oscars, but the movie was released in 1986. Now here's the deal. So the setup on this was William Hurt was a teacher at a, a school for the deaf, and he fell in love with a woman who was the janitor, and that was Marley Maitland, who uh, we all know now. Yeah, so. Now, here's the deal. Marley Maitland won Best Actress for this show. William Hurt was nominated as Best Actor, but he didn't win. The director, Rhonda Haynes, wasn't nominated. So the Best Actor was nominated. The Best Actress was nominated, but the director wasn't nominated. So who was nominated that year? How is that possible? I don't know. Who was nominated? James Ivory for A Room with a View. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Hannah and her sisters, Woody Allen. Oh, that was fantastic. That was great. You know? David Lynch for Blue Velvet. And the winner. Blue Velvet was a goofy-ass movie. Now, the winner, I can't really argue with the winner, Oliver Stone won for Platoon. And Platoon was good. Yeah, it was a good movie. So I'm not even going to argue that he shouldn't have won. I'm just saying, how do you not nominate Rhonda Haynes for Children of a Lesser God? I guess the movie was so bad, but the acting was so good. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that so, and I was thinking, oh, well, she's going to win. Oh, she's going to win this. And then she didn't even get nominated. But thank God, A Room with a View. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was number, f- that was number five. Well, that brings us to number four. Now, this one's really going to get you. Okay. The movie was released in 1982. Okay. And I should tell you what the movie is right there. Okay. E.T., the extraterrestrial. 
Okay. Didn't win Best Picture. Didn't win Direction. It won for sound, score, and sound editing. The Fantastic film, who I think everybody saw that year, the winner was Gandhi. I saw Gandhi the other day. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it took a long time to watch. I'm a history buff, so I did like Gandhi. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying so it was a bad I, movie, I like but it. here's what I'm going to tell you. And I know money and uh, box office doesn't, doesn't tell the whole story. I no, get that. No, not at all. But, so worldwide, domestically, let's go domestically, E.T. made $435 million yeah. domestically. Internationally, it made $304 million for a grand total of $792 million, roughly. Do you know why it made less internationally? Because the United States is the only one that thinks there may be extraterrestrial. (laughs) The other countries know there are. So why even go see the movie? Why even go see the movie? (laughs) They know there are. So... Now, you have to remember, this was 1982 money. Yeah. Now, it's continually making money. But it initially, this is 1982 money. And E.T. made, let's say, $792 million. Now, my point in bringing up the money on that is everybody had to see E.T. to make that kind of money. I, I remember going to the movies at some point and paying like three bucks to see E.T. So everybody had to see this movie. Now, Gandhi... Wasn't released. They don't have figures for international get, uh, box. I office. bet you it was big in India. It don't have. They don't have a. They don't it's have it. Be. They it's don't got have. To be. They didn't list it. <laughs> Nothing international. So how much did it make domestically? Fifty-two million dollars. They had to be shooting for the Indian crowd. Fifty-two million dollars, which means nobody saw it. So my point is, who well, saw we, it? Who saw it to make it the best? The best. Well, picture? we. You know. Arf's thing is, the best picture is the one that makes the most. It has to be. Why wouldn't it make the most money if it wasn't the best picture? The thing is, you I bet you can't find anybody of any age that hasn't seen E.T. Now, Spielberg didn't win for direction, and the movie didn't win as best. Back then, they used to call it uh, the best. Uh, they would go best picture and best director. Or something like that, but Attenborough won for both, for Gandhi. I'm not saying Gandhi's bad. Yeah, but come on. Did you know? And then, they, and then they, wait a minute. They give ET for sound score and sound editing. Did you know that there were close to 75 casualties due to the ET movie? No, I didn't know that. Yes, from the president. On down to seventy five vice presidents at the Mars Company lost. Oh, their I job. know because of, because of the M and M's. Yeah, they didn't want to do M and M's. Nah, yeah. we don't want M and M's. So Reese's Pieces, seventy five jobs were lost. And and Reese's Pieces is still the I don't know what they call that category, but still the bite sized candy leader. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine telling them though? I mean Spielberg coming in that. Well, I guess he wasn't Spielberg yet, but still, still. Okay, Steve. Number three, Saving Private Ryan, 1998. Okay. One of the greatest movies I ever saw. Well, it didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture. No. The movie that won the Oscar for Best Picture that year, Shakespeare in Love. 
Oh. <laughs> that's that's a given. How is that possible? Shakespeare in love. How is that who possible? Was that Ledger? Uh, who, what? What's, What's the difference? difference who played in it? Now, here's something interesting about it. Let me read to you um, what I picked off of a website. Now, I knew this, but they, 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 they summarize this a little better. Shakespeare toppling Steven Spielberg's heavy-hitting World War II film shocked Hollywood 1999 and marked a new era of ruthless behind-the-scenes campaigning spearheaded by the now-disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. We also know that Paltrow, who won Best Actress for Shakespeare, has said she was once targeted by Weinstein. It makes the best picture win and film, frankly, all the harder to celebrate today. So the bottom line is it was a political thing. Weinstein was behind the scenes moving and shaking shaking to uh, get Shakespeare in love picked over Private Ryan. And I mean, saving Private Ryan has got to be, I mean, that's the second Spielberg movie. Yeah. But so that was number three. And here's my number two that almost elevated to number one. It happened in 2018. Green Book won Picture of the Year. I never saw it. Okay. I don't think I did. Well, that shows you how much I've right. it meant to me. Now, Green Book was about, what the Green Book is, there was a book that was given to blacks who were traveling back back in the day of places they could go and eat that were black friendly. Okay. Places they could go and eat. So, this movie was about this driver, so Vigo Mortensen. I knew it. That's right. He was nominated as the lead actor in this. But here's the problem. The movie was set in 1962, and it was a true story of the tour of the Deep South of African-American classical jazz pianist Don Shirley. And he had an Italian-American bouncer named Frank Tony the Lip Vallelonga. Okay, so the setup is... This guy from 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 New, from New York uh, is driving around. It's, it's African American, and he's taking him in the deep south. And the whole setup is that this driver is a simple, plain guy from the neighborhood, and this Don Shirley, this pianist, is this upper class guy. And basically, the driver teaches Don Shirley how to be black, basically. You remember the scene where, which I can't even believe that anybody put in a movie where this guy taught him how to eat fried chicken. <laughs> remember that? Yes, I do. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And this movie, it won Best Picture. And the whole movie was like that. Just, oh, he's going to bring this guy down to earth. This, you know, this the, the, the driver from. Now, here's the behind the scenes look. The issue is, Don Shirley's family is still alive. There's people that are alive that are related to him. Right. And they say that shit never happened. <laughs> they, say, <laughs> they say that never happened. They say, what is he talking about? You know, Don Shirley knew and marched with uh, Martin Luther King. But the Italian limo driver is going to teach him how to be black. <laughs> is that right? And then the other thing is, is... The guy who wrote it is the driver's son. Uh-huh. He was part of the he was part of the team that wrote it, so he pushed to get this movie made. Uh, you know, I don't 
fault him. You know, he pushed to get his movie right. made. I'm sure his dad did come home and tell him, oh, yeah. well, son, you yeah. know, yeah, I'm not just a driver. Yeah, I'm teaching I'm teaching this guy to get in with society. You know, I'm sure he did do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Now the other thing is in the in the in the movie, the driver and the pianist, Shirley and the and the driver are become friends. And the family of the guy, of Don Shirley, the subject of the movie, they say he was friends with none of those guys. He said he changed those drivers out like chess pieces. Because he was kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because he yeah. was a perfectionist. He said he was not close to any of these no, people. Uh-uh. He said that guy probably only worked with him for four or five months. Got rid of him. Like he always did. You know. Now, the movie won Best Picture. If all of that isn't enough, you know what? It won Best Picture over. And mm-hmm. I'm not even going to. I'm just going to rest my case. It won Best Picture over Black Panther. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Really? 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 Which was a real black movie. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, not this fake black movie. Exactly. It was a real black movie. Black exactly. Panther. Unbelievable. That was number two. And I guess Black Panther made $18 million <laughs> more than that, right. too. Right. Ten they, zeros they, added up. They, they still can't even add it up. No. So now, Steve, we have reached... My number one Oscar snub. Let me ask you this before you go to number one. Yes, sir. Since we just did Black Panther, wouldn't all the Marvel movies be the get the Oscar? Think about it. If you base it, if on, you base it on money, yeah, on money, all the Marvel movies every year, Thor should be standing up there. <laughs> Hulk, all of them. Iron Man, Captain well, America. Here's the thing. I'll tell you honestly. Sometimes you see a movie, and I'll give you a good example. Did you see The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. When you're watching that movie, you're like, damn, DiCaprio is. Yeah. He is acting his ass off in this yeah, movie. Right. Because if you, one thing that was impressive about Wolf of Wall Street, there wasn't a lot of cuts when he was doing his thing. Right. It was almost like they just let the camera run. Right. You know, and when you're watching that, you're like, damn, you know, this dude is. I believe he's Jordan Belfort, right. you know. So then, even if something makes a lot more money, it's not necessarily because of some performance, you know. You know what I mean? It's like, right. yeah, okay, that made a lot of money, but damn, this dude was good in that. I just don't get that sense in Green Book, like, you know. And see, you touched on something that is a hundred percent accurate, and I've said it all over. Twitter and the message boards when it happened. You know, they gave Green Book this movie where this Italian guy teaches a guy how to be black, you know. And then when you go to, like you said, Black Panther, where it shows, you know, uh, black people in a different light, well, that don't win. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't even want to get into the politics about it because now we're at my number one. Okay. So here's my number one Oscar snub. 1985, The Color Purple. Why is that my Oscar, Oscar, Oscar snub? Best one. Now, I don't care what anybody thinks about Whoopi Goldberg now. She's on The View. And, yeah. and people have all of these 
opinions about Whoopi. If you watch 1985's A Color Purple, Whoopi Goldberg should have won the Oscar for that performance. And I have to be honest, Best Supporting Actress should have went to Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. I mean, they carried that entire picture. Even Danny Glover wasn't yeah. nominated. Yes. He, was he wasn't even nominated. They gave Spielberg nothing for that. But I will. So let's go through. Let's go through best lead actress nominees and winners. Geraldine Page won for the, the trip to the Bountiful, which I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm I didn't see either. it. Here's the other nominees. Anne Bancroft and Agnes of God. Jessica Lange in Sweet Dreams, Meryl Streep and Out of Africa. All good. Yeah. But I bet you if you watch all of those movies, you would look and say, man, Whoopi was good in this. And then they give Whoopi the Oscar for Ghost that, uh, whatever. Okay, winner, okay, so here's the best supporting actress. Angelica Houston won for Pritzi's Honor, which was good. Yeah. Here's the other nominees. Margaret Avery, Avery, which was also in The Color Purple. Amy Madigan, Twice in a Lifetime. Meg Tilly in Agnes of God. And Oprah Winfrey, of course, in um, Color Purple. My opinion, Whoopi and Oprah should have won. Especially Whoopi. Whoopi was good in 1985's The Color Purple. Out of Africa won the best picture. And... uh, by Sidney Pollack, and Sidney Pollack also won the best uh, director. So Spielberg was shut out again. That's three Spielbergs yeah. shut out. But that was the one that really soured me on the Oscars in 1985. I haven't really watched or followed or been fired up about Oscars since that happened because I just figured, well, one of them has to win this. You would think, you know, but um, well, if you, those five movies that you mentioned, mm-hmm. if I have to sit in front of a TV, right, and for five straight days I have to watch the same movie, it's the color purple. Oh, right, exactly. I'm not watching Agnes of God five days in a row, <laughs> right, or a Trip to the Bountiful. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not for me. It's not going to happen. And then because I can always find something in color purple. Oh yeah, you know that's funny, or I mean Agnes of God. I don't think I saw it. Well, well, I know I, I didn't did. see it. I did. Well, and then Danny Glover wasn't even nominated because I remember them saying at the time his his character was so despicable that they did they didn't nominate him and it might affect his career, you know, like it did Anthony Hopkins when he played a <laughs> cannibalistic serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's winning Oscars and, and now they have a TV show after it. It didn't affect his career, no, huh? but it affect Danny Glover. No. So those Steve are my five Oscar snubs, number one color purple that pushed me away from following the Oscars forever. And that's why I don't follow them that much now, quite frankly. I don't have two and a half hours to waste watching them. I'd rather watch Family Guy (laughs) for two and a half (laughs) hours than that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, what I do is I usually watch Predator 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. (laughs) Yes, yes. Those should have been Oscar Wars. Yeah, and how and how is it that and you already asked me this a couple episodes ago? How is it Godzilla hasn't won an Oscar yet? Nobody can play Godzilla like Godzilla. He should be well, that winning. That's true. Oscar. No one can play Godzilla like Godzilla. It's impossible. But those are my Oscar snobs, Steve. I agree. 
I agree. So I think we've covered everything today. I think so, too. It's lunchtime. I'm hungry. <laughs> How about you? Hey, here, here's something. Kurt and Steve are hungry. Sun comes up in the east. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some things are just the way they are. I'm actually going to the movies today. Oh, what are you going to say? I don't know. Let me look. Hold on. You know you're going, though. Yep. I know I'm going. You're going to see something. I will tell you exactly what I'm going to see. I have work to do today. I can't be fooling around at the movies. I'm not going to the movies until I see one of the movies that was on my list last week. Hold on, man. Okay, here's the movies that I can go see. See what you think. Drunk Bus. No. You've ever heard heard it? Me neither. Michael is a recent graduate whose post-college plan is derailed when his girlfriend leaves him for a job in New York City. Stuck in Ohio without a new plan of his own, Michael finds himself caught in an endless loop of driving the drunk bus late at night campus shuttle that ferries drunk college students from parties to parties. I did this as a living one time. <laughs> it actually doesn't sound bad. When the bus service hires a security guard to watch over the night shift, Michael comes face to tattooed face with Pineapple, a larger-than-life Samoan American who challenges him with a kick in the ass to break from the loop. Okay, well, I'm not going to go see that. Let's see. <laughs> Next. New Order. You know what that is? No. New Order. While protests rage in the streets of Marianne's High School, high, I'm sorry, while protests rage in the streets of Marianne's High Society family prepares for her wedding, at first only... Splatters of green paint in the appearance of Rolanda, a former employee seeking emergency medical funds, intrude on the festivities. But soon the party is unable to keep the reckoning at bay. And what follows is, is a swift disintegration of law and order, defined first by class lines, then by disastrous government reconciliation. No. Let me just say no. Hold on, man. Is that the in that the uh, purge? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good lord! It okay. takes all of that to tell you what the movie is. Uh, the perfect candidate. There's only five movies, so because that's what we keep ours at now. <laughs> Great. A revealing look at the changing roles of women in Saudi Arabia. Okay, I'm not going to read any more. That's past. Those who wish me dead. Now, that might be good. That's Angelina Jolie. Yes. Yeah, I've heard that is really good. A teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. I might go see that. That uh, My niece saw that, and she said it was edge of her seat. Really? The Wrath of Man. I saw that. That's good. Is it good? Yeah. Um, it's John Wick on steroids. So that's pretty pretty tough. Uh, and the last one is... Hold on a sec. The last one is... I think we picked it out. I think it's Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Last but not least is... 
No Man Land. No Man. Oh, no. No, so we're not going to see that. So we just passed on that. And we'll, we are going to go with. Now, you know, No Man Land won Best Picture. Did it? Yeah. I didn't think it was Best Picture worthy. I really didn't. Okay. So we're going to go see Angelina Jolie. I mean, I didn't think it was bad. And Frances McDormand was good in it. But it was, I just, it wasn't blown away. No. Not at all. You know, the thing is, you used to, there's sometimes you go to a movie and you see something and you go, man, that was good. And I had that reaction with some of the movies I put on the list. Like you said, Color Purple, you know, even Black Panther and uh, even a lot of movies. The movies that I just told you. But sometimes you see a movie and you go, ah, that was good. Yeah. And then you turn around and it goes, oh, this is the best picture. You go, what? Yeah, I know. Really? Everybody's taste is different, you know? No, it's not. Everybody's taste is not <laughs> different. Because when, when, what, my left foot wins... <laughs> Nobody saw that movie. Well, Steve, listen. That's it. I have a question for you. Yes. What did we learn today? Well, we learned that we shouldn't bring up mass murderers' names <laughs> in case they hunt us down. That's for that sure. That is the most important thing That we is learned. the most important thing on this list. That is it. The other thing we learned was you must listen to Lyrics for Lunch and No Picks After Dark. There are two great podcasts to listen to. And the Oscars suck. We learned that the Oscars continue to suck. We learned that Kurt hasn't paid attention to the Oscars since 1985. We've learned that. We've the also Little Johnsons, we should watch. It's very learned, good. Look at the Little Johnsons. We you, have, know, you have to watch Hashtag that. Little Johnsons. Mm-hmm. So they'll fund our show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're just waiting. Yeah. And we also learned that there's a brand new piano in the Eastern uh, Studio, Studio East, here at the Core Extra Podcast. And uh, I can play, I can play the piano a little bit. So maybe, maybe you one play year. For us. Maybe, maybe. You got to get my financial demands all straightened out. You play and I'll sit up on it and sing. <laughs> all right. Like, Lay like the Baker Boys. <laughs> you gonna put on that outfit that Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer had on? Oh. And we learned that, as usual, Kurt and Steve have to go eat. Yes. That's just going to happen. So we appreciate everybody following us on social media. Please continue to listen, download, and subscribe. Uh, stay tuned for another Hashtag 5K Review. If you follow Hashtag 5K Review on Twitter, you can see all of my reviews. And with that, Steve, I think we're going to get out of here. Next week, we're going to have one of the Reds. Oh, great. Oh, cool. A current member or, yeah. or maybe we find an old retired guy to come in here. Oh, all right. I got to go eat. I'm sorry. I'm not right. ready to pass out. All right. Yeah, because you probably hadn't eaten in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Kurt. I'm Steve. All right. Thanks for I listening, guys. <laughs> He's getting delirious because he hasn't eaten.